What a beautiful invitation to the table, which is where we are headed. But we're going to spend some time in the wilderness before we get there. My little family enjoys camping. We have a state park pass. We like to get outside. And if I'm honest with you, I like camping when the weather is, you know, pleasant. Not really a cold weather camper. I don't want one of those sub-zero sleeping bags, and I'm not terribly interested in August 98 degrees. Too hot. You can't wake up all sweaty. That's just terrible. But going to the woods can be relaxing. And uh, recreation that kind of happens in some of those places is, is enjoyable. And a lot of people like that. A lot of people have a lot of gear. I, oh, on the way down this morning, we saw a couple of trucks pulling campers and big SUVs with big, um, you know, hard top kind of cases of stuff on top of their cars. People are coming and going. And, and this is the kind of time of year where a lot of people like to get out. When we see wilderness in scripture, it's nothing like that. It's not campfires and s'mores and pleasant day hikes. The wilderness in scripture is a totally different thing. Biblical wilderness is characterized by uncertainty and difficulty. Yes, long wanderings in the woods, but often ones that are filled with hardship and struggle, temptation and strife. Think about the people of Israel. Those ones that left slavery in Egypt, Moses did the whole thing with Pharaoh back and forth, let my people go, and then there were some plagues, and then the people finally cross through the sea on dry ground, and then they get to the wilderness, the Sinai Peninsula, to wander around for 40 years before they finally make it to the promised land. There's lots of lessons in that time. Lots of stretching, lots of growing, formation as a community. This biblical wilderness is a time that is both hard and one where God is at work. In this passage today, Jesus is in the wilderness. He has willingly gone into the wilderness for 40 days. And the gospel writer Luke tells us that while he is there, he is one, led by the Spirit, and two, tempted by the devil. We actually don't know a whole lot about what else happens out there in the wilderness. I don't know if Jesus was like walking a lot. We know he's not eating because he's fasting. We get that detail, but the two essential things for us to know is that he's led by the spirit and that he's tempted by the devil. We are in a 40-day period also. There is this 40-day period in the life of the church where it begins with Ash Wednesday. It is the season of Lent. It is a 40-day season of reflection and repentance that leads us to the cross and leads us to Easter. And during these weeks, we're going to spend some time in the Gospel of Luke, taking a look at some of these stories, paying attention to Jesus in the wilderness, but also Jesus on the, beside the sea and on a mountain and on a road and in a garden and ultimately on a cross. But we're going to begin with Jesus in the wilderness. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew, probably one on your phone. But if you don't have a copy of Scripture at all, I would love to make sure that you do. So come grab me after church, send us a message, let us know. Um, We will get you. If you don't have a copy of the Scriptures, uh, if you don't have a Bible, I want to get you one. So let me know. We're going to take a look at this passage where Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit 
and uh, is, spends this time in the wilderness. It begins by telling us that full of the Holy Spirit, he returns from the Jordan, which right then might make us think, well, what happened right before this? Where are we picking up in the story? If you look back just a little bit, you find out that the thing that happened sort of most immediately before this is that Jesus had been baptized, He was in the water and and praying, and the heavens open up. A Holy Spirit descends upon him bodily in the form of a dove, and a voice comes from heaven and says, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. Jesus comes out of the water filled with the Holy Spirit, and the very next thing that Luke tells us is that he goes into the wilderness. Filled with the Spirit, he walks headfirst into temptation. There's a little bit in here about the ancestry of Jesus, and actually Luke is doing careful work to help us connect the life of Jesus all the way through the generations back to Adam, the first man, the first son of God. We come to the temptation story and, and, and read that Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. He has come from the Jordan. He's led by the Spirit in the wilderness. And there he spends 40 days where he's tempted by the devil. He eats nothing during those days, and the devil comes to him at the end of those days when, uh, I assume, 39 days have gone on, fasting for 39 days, lots of little temptations along the way. But we get to the end, to day 40, and Jesus is famished. The word that is here is exceedingly hungry, desiring food earnestly, needy, very, very, very hungry. Jesus is at his emptiest. And that's when the devil comes to him for these three big temptations. Don't you know that's how that works? Sometimes when we are at our emptiest, when we're out of energy, out of compassion, out of out of gas, out of, when we're out, we're at our weakest. Sometimes that's when temptations come the strongest. Well, the temptation that is first put before Jesus is attached to his hunger. The devil says, well, you're the son of God. You have all power, so just make that stone become a loaf of bread. You know, by the power of God in the wilderness, uh, Moses would strike a rock with a staff and water would come forth. So surely Jesus, if he's the son of God, can turn these stones into bread. Go ahead. You're really hungry. Feed yourself, Jesus. The temptation to him here is to meet his personal needs, to address that material need that he has, to, to, to use his own power to meet his own needs. Well, Jesus says... No, I'm not going to do that. And he doesn't just say no, but Jesus quotes scripture. Jesus quotes from, from the law, from Deuteronomy, back to the devil in the face of each of these temptations. And, and he uses the words that come from Deuteronomy 8.3, and he says, It is written, one does not live by bread alone. So he's like, I, I, I don't have to have that. I'm fine, thanks. So then the devil's going to give him a, another temptation. And, and then the devil leads him up to show him in an instant all of the kingdoms of this world. And the devil says to him, I can give you all power and authority. All of, uh, uh, all of their glory and all of this authority has been given to me, the devil says. Which is interesting because I'm like, is he lying there? 
Because a little bit later, we hear Jesus say, all, all power and all authority has been given to me. But in the moment, the devil is saying, come on, I've got, I, I, I have the power to, to make all of these people love you and serve you and follow you. I will give you their glory and all of this authority. If then you will worship me, it will be all yours. The devil says, just, just worship me for a moment. Bend your knee to me, and I can give you all of this. Jesus answers him, no, it is written, worship the Lord, your God, and serve him only. Deuteronomy 6.13, worship the Lord your God only. Nope, not going to worship you, Satan. So then the devil uh, takes him to Jerusalem and places Jesus at the pinnacle of the temple, a, a high place, an outcropping, that, where he can look over all of the people coming and going from the temple, all of the people of God, the nation of Israel coming into worship and, and, and going. He can see all of them. And the devil says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. See, the the devil has realized that on the temptation one and two, Jesus has responded with scripture. So he's thinking, if I'm going to get Jesus, I'm going to quote scripture to him. I'm going to use that tactic back to him. He pulls these verses from the Psalms. And he says, see, if you just throw yourself off of this high place before all of these people, it will be this spectacle and miracle, and the angels will swoop in, and and they will save you, and they will protect you, and it will be a feat of God that is undeniable, and then all of these people will worship you. Sounds like a good idea, right? Well, Jesus says, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He's there, turning again to Deuteronomy, this time from Deuteronomy 6.16. And then the devil finished every test. He departed from him until an opportune time. It's like a little foreshadowing there. The devil's going to be back in the narrative a little bit later on. But for now, he's going to leave Jesus alone, having faced these three temptations and having resisted them. You know, these temptations for Jesus, they, they, they lean into three things. They lean into his uh, material appetite, to the possibility for pride or vanity or boasting, and then they lean into ambition. The first temptation, material or appetite, Jesus is hungry. He certainly has the power to meet his own personal needs, and the devil is saying, oh, if you're really just so hungry, just, it's not a big deal. Just turn a a stone into bread. Uh, The next one, then, is, is that idea of appeal to power. The that you could have all of the kingdoms and all of the people and all of the authority, which for Jesus is probably especially challenging, tempting, because the road that Jesus is going to walk on is not one where all of the people flock to him and bend their knees and give him authority and power. In fact, it's a story where he's going to be met with opposition and rejection and scorn, and it's going to land him on a cross as a laughingstock. So the devil there in that moment offering to give him uh, the ability to have power and authority over all the things. And then then it becomes even more clear. It's attached to Christ's personal mission, the thing that Christ has come to do, to reveal God to the people of God, to, to, to draw their hearts 
back into faithfulness. This appeal to to show himself before the people of Israel in a way that is just astounding and they can do nothing but believe when he knows that later on they're going to reject him and leave him and abandon him. So Jesus has these three temptations, and we might be tempted by very different things, but we certainly experience temptation. And if you are following Jesus and you are filled by the Spirit, you can expect that you will experience temptation. You will find yourself tempted along the way, sometimes in the midst of a wilderness like this wilderness. You know, for me, I don't have to go much past that first temptation. If I'm hungry, I want to eat. If I'm tired, I want to sleep. I'm pretty strongly pulled by those sort of most basic physical and material desires. I want what I want, and I don't want what I don't want. But we know that our desires are not all for our good. Some of the desires that well up in our hearts and in our lives are things that, that lead to destruction. They're selfish. They hurt others. They break commitments that we've made. Maybe you struggle with those two. Or maybe it's the second one for you. Power and authority. To be given authority at your workplace or to have standing in your community. Or maybe it's even just the power to make decisions and be well-respected within your own home and within your own family. You long for people to, to recognize you, to be admired. Those aren't bad things in and of themselves, when they're gained through trust over time, through, through relationships, when people give authority and grant authority to others, that's a, a good way of going about that. But the devil uh, brings this temptation to Jesus that says instant power and authority. All Jesus has to do is bend his knee and worship the devil for a minute, and then it's all yours. It's kind of like if you just set aside your integrity for just a little bit, you'll get that authority and that power. If you compromise your decisions along the way, or if you perhaps have to just run over a couple of people in the process, but it achieves that, that height that you long for, maybe you find that you even have to tip your hat to the devil along the way. Maybe that's your temptation. That third one, the last one, seems distant and perhaps even unrelatable. It's this idea, though, of abandoning the call and the journey that God has for us. It's this idea that that God has a a journey for us and that he's working with us and that if we see a shortcut, an easier course of action, something that we think will lead us to our success, um, we shouldn't hop off on that road. Instead, Jesus, uh, instead of just instantly having the authority that the devil wanted to pretend to offer to him. Jesus said, I will walk the road that lies ahead. You know, I think this is a real temptation for us as a church, as a community of people. We live in a time where a lot of people think Christians are fools. When they look at churches and they think, that is a waste of your time. Or churches have done something to hurt someone, or they have a tarnished reputation in the community, or, or, or we just live in a post-Christian secular culture where the things that we say and do just seem weird. So for the church, it seems just easier to put our head down, withdraw, step back from the messy world, don't get involved in the controversies that are back and forth of our day, keep to ourselves and just skip the part where Jesus says, 
Go proclaim freedom to the captives. Lift up the brokenhearted. Announce good news to all the world. Sometimes that's our temptation. The truth is, is that we will be tempted and we will fail. We are not Jesus, and we will not resist perfectly again and again, especially when we're in the midst of wilderness, especially when we're really hungry, when we're utterly depleted. We will give in to that temptation. But we remember that Jesus willingly went into the wilderness. He went into the wilderness having fasted, being ready to do a new thing. There's a commentator that writes, his name's David Jeffrey, he writes, um, this is a deliberate showdown. It's a showdown of good versus evil. It's a deliberate showdown willed by the divine author of salvation history. This is not an accidental encounter of Jesus with the devil. It is a part of the story of salvation. Christ does perfectly what we fail to do again and again. He overcomes temptation and he gives us the power and the ability to keep it at bay But even more, he forgives us when we fail. He offers us grace and mercy. Hebrews 2.18 says, Because Jesus suffered and he was tempted, he is able to help those who are also being tempted. Romans 6.14 says, Sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but you are under grace. It's because of Christ's perfect encounter with the devil. Christ's ability to not just defeat temptation in the wilderness, but, but ultimately to defeat even death itself. That we can have the confidence of people who are called his, who are marked by his name and his faithfulness and his grace. And so we pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we're reminded by the way that Christ invites us to himself. He invites us to receive from him and to receive strength and power and encouragement and, 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 and grace. He invites us to receive him. The one who said, hey, you don't, you don't live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the very mouth of God. When Christ invites us to his table, he invites us to live in him and through him. He gives us his life, his perfect, saving life. Christ invites all to his table who long to follow him. He says, this is my life extended to you in the form of bread and the cup. You are invited. You don't have to be a member here. You don't have to have even been here before. But if you respond to the call of Jesus Christ and want to receive from his table, you are invited. Lord, we thank you for this gift. We thank you for your love. Now, as we stand and sing together, send us from this place filled with your love in powerful ways. Amen. Amen.